Welcome to a GSA Momentum Discussion Podcast addressing the unique nutritional needs of older adults with obesity and overweight. Momentum Discussions highlight topics experiencing great momentum in the field of gerontology. We are grateful to Novo Nordisk for their support of the GSA Toolkit for the Management of Obesity in Older Adults and today's program. My name is Jen Pettis and I'm the Director of Strategic Alliances at GSA and I'm delighted to serve as the moderator for today's Momentum discussion. Please join me in welcoming today's discussant and one of our expert reviewers for the Toolkit for the Management of Obesity in Older Adults, Dr. Catherine N. Porter-Starr. Dr. Starr is a dietitian and an assistant professor of medicine and geriatrics at Duke University School of Medicine. She's also a research health scientist at the Durham VA Healthcare System in Durham, North Carolina. Dr. Starr, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share your insights around this important topic. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk about the nutritional needs of older adults with overweight and obesity. Great. Thank you. Let's jump right in. And to start with, I'd like to ask you to share some of the unique challenges that older adults with obesity and overweight face. Absolutely. One of the first things that I want to emphasize are the physiological and metabolic changes that occur with all of our older adults, not just older adults uh, with overweight and obesity. Really important to know that we lose muscle mass as we get older. At about the age of 40, we know that our healthy adults can lose approximately 8% of muscle every 10 years. And this can accelerate at the age of 70, such that we see a reduction of 15% per decade over the age of 70. Uh, this is really important as we think about the impact not only on our older adults, but also our older adults with obesity. Uh, I want to emphasize that because when we add obesity to this, this understanding of muscle loss, we know that it's going to have a big impact on function and functional changes. Additionally, it's going to have an impact on the muscle quality itself, uh, such that we're going to see more fat within the muscle. The muscle is not going to contract as well, uh, and the muscle is not going to function as well. From my experience of working with older adults and talking to them about their goals, one of the one of the most important things and one of the most common goals that continues to come up is their striving to stay independent, their desire to want to be independent. And when we think about the needs of our older adults from the concept of what their goals of care are, it's really important to understand what is actually impacting that ability to meet meet that goal or, or meet that independence. And I think our, our physical function is one of those. So how does nutrition play a role in that and that impact on the loss of muscle mass and muscle strength? Nutrition plays a role in that and the fact that we actually start to see anabolic resistance as we get older. And what is anabolic resistance? Well, that is really that resistance to building muscle mass or stimulating muscle protein synthesis. So one of the things that we have learned is that our older adults actually need an increased amount of protein. And we're finding more and more that it may be beneficial for our older adults to consume protein more consistently throughout the day, such that hitting around a 30-gram threshold uh, three times a day may really actually help promote and stimulate muscle protein synthesis. Uh, we also know that the um, one of the drivers of that is leucine. And leucine is really going to be the key factor to help really stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And we find leucine in um, our our animal proteins are, are high quality proteins. So 
kind of taking a step back, uh, really kind of thinking about some of the unique challenges that our older adults face, particularly our older adults with obesity, they're facing this impact on their muscle and the quality and the health of their muscle, which is going to have a detrimental impact or could have a detrimental impact on their independence. They're also facing this unique experience where their energy needs are actually going down, but certain nutrients needs are actually going up. We know that they need more vitamin D and calcium as we get older, and we also need more protein. So it's very confusing about what are actually the needs of our older adults in regard to their nutritional needs. So it's important to understand that physiology and those changes that occur so we really can understand how best to treat and manage obesity. From a weight loss standpoint, I also want to emphasize that being in the healthcare setting, I know that I have worked with older adults who come to me that say, well, my doctor told me I needed to lose weight. And so I I just reduced my intake. Well, because of the nutritional needs, uh, because they're different as we get older, that can be really confusing to an older adult where they think that they just need to reduce what they're taking in rather than really thinking about what are the actual nutrients that I need to be getting? And so I really want to caution our providers and healthcare providers out there that it's really important to work with a registered dietitian when we are recommending weight loss for our older adults so that we can make sure that they're getting in all of their necessary macro and micronutrients in order to be successful. We can actually maximize that muscle mass as much as possible and have them slowly lose that weight where we can preserve muscle mass as much as we can. And again, a good point and a good guide is to always include uh, strength training with that because that's also going to help that muscle. So again, you know, sarcopenia is really the condition of loss of muscle mass, muscle function, and muscle strength that occurs with aging. And we know when we're combining that with obesity, we start to see even more complex uh, condition that can have uh, impacts on our older adults. So, Dr. Starr, why is sarcopenia, sarcopenia in, a, in a person with obesity who's an older adult particularly of concern? Yeah, that's such a great question. So, sarcopenia really leads to this reduced mobility. And when we have that reduced mobility, we see a reduced energy expenditure, as I've already said. And this can ultimately lead to that positive energy balance. So, what we're going to start to see is when we have that obesity coming in, Obesity increases inflammation, insulin resistance, as does sarcopenia. And so with that combination, we're seeing this exaggerated impact of inflammation, insulin resistance, and that intermuscular adipose tissue or that fat within that muscle. So that muscle, again, becomes harder to contract. The muscle doesn't work as efficiently as it should. One of the other things that I think is really important to understand is that in addition to causing serious functional limitations... um, sarcopenia and sarcopenic obesity is really strongly linked with negative outcomes in both the hospital um, setting and in um, the community setting. So we see more frequent hospitalizations, uh, negative post-operative outcomes. Uh, We see an increased risk of falls, fractures, and also it's related to increased mortality. So again, kind of thinking about the whole impact, not only on independence from the goal setting of our patients, but also to the impact on the healthcare system, sarcopenic obesity is really something that we should be thinking about uh, how to address and how to approach with our patients. So far, we've talked a lot about individual issues or person-centered issues, but I'm wondering whether there are particular um, socioeconomic, environmental, or other external issues that a care team also needs to consider when they're supporting an older adult with obesity or overweight. 
Absolutely. And I really feel like our social, environmental, and economic risk factors uh, often go unrecognized. Um, Typically, we're really focused on these physiological and metabolic conditions of our patients, and we're not necessarily diving into the social and environmental risk factors uh, that many of our patients may be experiencing, especially our older adults. And this is why I will always, always advocate for our interprofessional teams and working with a team approach when when, uh, caring for our older patients. Um, One of the first things I want to emphasize is social isolation. We know that our older adults experience more social isolation than any other population. In my experience working with veterans, we see this even more. uh, It's even more common in that population. Uh, What we do also know is that from a standpoint of social isolation, this may limit the foods that are actually being consumed. So we may see a, you know, someone may actually have obesity, but they may not be actually getting in all of their nutrients that they need because they're eating alone, they're eating prepackaged meals, or eating those things. Transportation is another big issue that we don't always talk about and ask about. Do people have transportation to and from a grocery store? Do they have that ability to actually get groceries? Uh, Not only do they have the ability to get groceries, so that lack of ability to be able to prepare food. So sometimes it's not necessarily having financial constraints. It's actually that physical inability to prepare your own food that leads to and can lead to food insecurity. There is a lot of work that has actually looked at the relationship between food insecurity and obesity, and it's it kind of sounds paradoxical, but it is common. And we will see this in our older adult population where they're having to choose lower quality foods, foods that are more energy dense, not nutrient dense, uh, which leads to increased calories in, but not high quality foods. Uh, and not foods that allow them to meet their true macro and micronutrient requirements for them to be living and eating a healthy diet. So when you talk about all of these factors in that adult, older adult with obesity and overweight, tell me about your concerns about the potential for malnutrition in them. Absolutely. So as I was saying, Malnutrition is common in our older adults with obesity and overweight. Just like with the social and environmental and economic risk factors, malnutrition often goes undiagnosed and unrecognized in this population because we continue to think there's excess, there's excess weight here. It would be okay if they lost some weight. And that's really a terrible approach when we're looking at our older patients. I, I, one of my big soapboxes is making sure that any patient that we see, we are assessing for nutritional risk regardless of their weight or their BMI status. And that is because of exactly what I what I previously mentioned is that just because someone has excess adiposity, it doesn't mean that their diet is high quality. It doesn't mean that they're getting all of the nutrients that they need. Also doesn't mean that they have that they don't have sarcopenic obesity. Um, so if we're dealing with a patient who has excess adiposity, but really low lean lean muscle mass, and this individual gets sick, this individual gets hospitalized, there's going to be a really big impact on their ability to get back to baseline, about back to their functional status. We really need to be focusing on making sure we can maintain that muscle mass as, as best as we can, really working with our PT, our OT, and our nutrition teams to make sure they're getting adequate protein, they're getting out of the bed as well as they can. There's a lot of things that we have to think about from the perspective of our older adult with obesity and overweight and how their nutritional intake is impacted by that. And again, I think from the standpoint of our patients in the hospital, 
really, these are the patients that I think are, are really overlooked in regards to their nutritional status. So I, I really do charge our healthcare providers to make sure that we're changing that lens when we're looking at our patients that are coming in or that are being hospitalized or preparing for being treated from surgery, because these patients with obesity or, or overweight are at risk for malnutrition or could actually be malnourished and really are not being treated appropriately. And ultimately down the road, when they get out of the hospital, that's when we start to see the impacts of this decline in function, this inability to regain that independence and this need for uh, caregiver providers. So really something that I, I really want to make sure that at the end of the day, we're really thinking about a patient's from the the whole person perspective and um, understanding that malnutrition can occur in, in our older adults with obesity. I have one final question for you today, Dr. Starr. We've talked about some of the important care considerations for healthcare teams supporting older adults with obesity and overweight. But my last question is about getting that conversation around weight management started with the older adult in the first place. Can you address what care team members can do to effectively get that conversation started? Absolutely. I think um, one of the first things that we really have to understand is that there is a there is weight biases out there by our healthcare providers. It really does still remain to be a barrier to obesity treatment. And we know that when weight stigma is experienced in the healthcare setting, it can really lead to avoidance of future care. It can lead to this re reduced adherence to any of the services or treatments we might be prescribing. And we also know that we see this lower trust in communication with our healthcare professionals, uh, which may really contribute to um, reduced quality of care and increase the health disparities that we already see in our healthcare setting. So the recognition of obesity as a disease, I think, is essential for addressing weight bias in the healthcare setting. And also beyond that, it's not just within the healthcare setting. One way we can do this is to really use that person-first language where the patient or the person comes first. And then the disease or the health condition is going to then follow that. So rather than saying obese patient, we should say a patient with obesity. And this is just like what we do with all of our other diseases and health conditions. Uh, and second, I think we need to encompass obesity with compassion, with respect, uh, making sure that we are thinking about social support. What is the patient going to need to be able to be successful? And also providing hope for our patients, just like we would do with any other health condition that we are treating. You know, evidence shows that really framing that health condition positively can really help lead to this, to an increased change in behavior. And it also can help engage our patients more um, uh, within the healthcare setting and create trust around the healthcare providers. So from a standpoint of really addressing and bringing the conversation and starting the conversation, our first approach is making sure that we are treating our patients the way that they need to be treated and are addressing our patients the way they need to be addressing them and really thinking and focusing about weight as a, a weight from a, a standpoint of, of really compassion and how we can help our patient and really brainstorm with our patient ways that we can actually start a weight management uh, treatment. The last thing that I will say is that this goes much better if we are working as a team, if we have an interprofessional team approach, um, if we have a dietitian on the team, if we have a social worker on the team, um, if we have the right team members who can really help um, support that conversation and really help um, uh, with that treatment and prescription for weight management. 
Thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. A couple of key points that I heard that I want to emphasize, and I'm going to ask if there's any that you want to add to my list when I'm done here. The first was obesity as a disease, that this is a healthcare team supporting an individual with a condition, just like we would support them with any other disease or any other condition. I heard about the need for person-first language, which I love, and person-centered care. So an interdisciplinary or interprofessional team coming around the older adult and really supporting them to address individual level factors, but also to address those social components, which are so important about access to food and the social supports around uh, dining with people or otherwise addressing social isolation. I also heard the importance of addressing weight bias amongst ourselves as a healthcare uh, community uh, and working with our colleagues to do that as well. And I heard a real strong message about the importance of screening everyone and not assuming someone who is overweight automatically has their nutritional needs met. What are some other key points I didn't mention that you want to hit on? Yeah, I think the other key point is really just the understanding that we are we're keeping the goals of the patient at the forefront of of our care uh, and making sure that they are brought into the conversation. Um, rather than telling someone that they need to lose weight, we're we're talking to them about what is it about uh, what they what they would like to do and really bringing them into the conversation to really understand: Do they have the support that they need? Do they have financial constraints? Do they have? Are they just not able to actually get the food that they need, or can they not even actually prepare the food? To really dive in and understand kind of what is the why behind uh, the the health condition. And I think that will really help us um, have more meaningful conversations and really get the ball rolling on how we can best treat obesity and help our patients really achieve the goals that they have in, in their mind. This has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all the great work you're doing uh, for your veterans, as well as for other older adults who are um, working, experiencing obesity and um, you're helping them to receive the care they need. So thank you so much and have a great day now. Thank you. 